0: Hey, everybody. I would like to welcome you to another episode of Pop Culture Gems. This is a series where we talk to amazing creators, artists, cosplayers, voice actors, and so much more. If you like the interviews we do with these terrific guests, give us a thumbs up and subscribe to our YouTube channel, the CFG channel. We also release Pop Culture Gems on all podcast services or go to our main website, confreaksandgeeks.com to not miss an episode today. I am with two individuals who made my Saturday morning cartoon watching incredible. This showrunner, uh, showrunner uh, writing duo has created and written in several projects like Street Fighter the Animated Series, Mummies Alive, RoboCop, and so much more. But today, I want to talk about one of the most popular series that they were involved in: X Men the Animated Series. I would like to talk to Eric and Julio Lee to the show. How are you doing today?
1: Doing just fine. Thank you so much for having us on.
2: Yeah, it's a real pleasure.
0: Oh yes, it's great. The pleasure is all mine. I love I I just if I have a chance to talk about Expo with someone, especially someone that was truly involved in my childhood, I will definitely <laughs> do that. I will definitely choose that any day of the week. Uh but uh but let's get this started here. Um so um In the early 90s, uh, Marvel was not the powerhouse as it is today. uh, And at the time, they did not have an animated series for any of their heroes. Uh, The last Marvel animated series on television was Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends, which was 10 years prior, which is like in the early 80s. Uh, What had to be done to get X-Men, the animated series, to happen?
2: A lot. (laughs) Yeah, Mostly it comes down to uh, the efforts of one person. Because back in the, during all that 10 years, there were people that knew, that believed X-Men could be a good show. Um, Margaret Lash was working at Marvel Productions with Stan Lee and, and a number of the artists that ended up working on our show. and But they just could not sell a Marvel property to Hollywood. Hollywood just didn't think, oh, that's just for, you know, a uh, couple of guys in their basements, you know, reading comic books. It's just, that's not our, our people. It's, it's not our audience we need 10 times that many folks
1: and i want to jump in here way back then you had three networks for saturday morning tv if you were a kid and you had some syndicated you had abc nbc cbs that's where you watched your saturday morning shows
2: right and none of them and none of them got marvel no. and so marvel margaret was just frustrated frustrated she had had a hand in a dozen wonderful shows she was mm-hmm. at hannah Barrow when they did uh smurfs she was at uh and she was at Marvel, they had, um, you that know, Muppet Babies and and Transformers. I mean, on the
1: production on side, on the production
2: side. So she was on the production side of some of the best shows that happened during the '80s. But she just could not get anybody to even take her phone calls about doing an, an X Men show. So what happens? the fox network starts out as a little bitty network to compete with the big three and it's maybe getting five percent of the audience and the other three are getting 95 percent.
1: they start consolidating different syndicated uh channels around the country trying to create a national coverage
2: but so they hire her they said look we need somebody to to make a saturday morning uh, group process aha now i get my chance so it's going to take me a year or two to get the shows up and running, but I'm going to get X Men. I'm going to get Spider Man. I'm going to get Batman. I'm going to get Silver Surfer. These are things, I believe. You know that she believed in, so that's how the offer came because she was there and she put her her job on the line. I mean she she showed the books, the comic books to her bosses at Fox, and the bosses say, "This looks awful intense, isn't? I don't see ch- you know ch- our children you know, that were selling cornflakes do." buying these books or watching this show and she said no you got to believe me and they said well if it if it flops you're gone and she said okay okay done deal let me get started so she hired she hired the the creatives that Mm -hmm. she'd worked with before um her right hand man sydney sydney eyewander who was hands-on on on all those shows all at once (laughs) you know this poor man uh, uh giving notes to all of us those two believed in the core of what the x-men was mm-hmm. and she hired people she hired me because i'd done a year of beetlejuice for her at fox and so she and sydney thought i kind of had maybe the right tone for or the, or the right kind of heroic storytelling for the series i didn't know the x-men well i got to, <laughs> i got to call the call that night where we got started with all the big shots there in the room to get started on the show and I said, Oh, X That that's a, that's a Marvel book. Right. So, so I had to learn it real fast. Like.
0: In did a you of do, weeks. did you have to do the pitch, the initial pitch for it? or uh, did-
2: uh, Thank <laughs> goodness. I didn't. There were a couple, a couple of our senior artists, Larry Houston and Will Minya were there, and they were talking about what it needed to be. And they, they had memorized the x-men they'd read them since 1963 so the, there was no problem with the art on the artist side
1: and margaret lush again as president of fox kids and, was going you to know, make you, show yeah happen. and it
2: was her baby it was her pitch and so and she had worked with and befriended stanley so she kind of kind of had Come him on on her side but so they too. sold it and i just had to be quiet <laughs> until i until i got up to speed and got the scripts going
1: he had to be quiet wow. during that meeting because then you were charged with. We need a Bible and a pilot in two weeks. Yeah, and there was no office space. There was nothing going on. Good. You you had to come home to our place and work on and our dining room no, table. No no inter- oh no internet goodness.
2: nothing to Google. No I, Google. I had to go to friends and borrow old comic books mm-hmm. and 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 uh, uh, Marvel uh, uh, reference books to see who was who and who meant what to who and so all of that. So wait, very bad. Very
0: Even- <laughs> So, you're telling me like in between, like a two week period to kind of give to put it was it just was it the pilot or was it actually episode, it was, the first episode? It was
2: deciding what the whole world, what the whole world was, who we're going to use, what the first 13 stories were, not right. to write them all, but you know, the, the, the one paragraph version of, mm-hmm. of the first 13 stories and get that all and get that checked off on because you know we're starting late it happens, happens <laughs> a lot here you know you say okay we're ready to go but we're already two months behind
0: oh my god so, so you're telling me the the main infrastructure of x-men the first season was a two like a two-week like a two-week two week marathon
2: me, me, me uh my my head writer and buddy from college mark edens who wrote had you know he wrote on about 30 of them he only took yeah. credits for 18 or 19 um wow. so you know, we're sitting at our dining, table, our dining room table, you know, chugging back iced tea and, and diet uh, coke and <laughs> and calling up again people like Larry Houston who who knew the characters better. And we had a had a very nice man at, at Marvel uh named Bob Harris, who's in charge of all the oh, X-Men yeah. books. And mm-hmm. we I would write I would fax him. Remember, fax. it's before email. I would fax him with questions you know would wolverine do this would storm do this what what side of rogue can i you know can i ask this question about and so so yeah we got we got that all going and and it was the good part about working so fast was there was no time to second guess it and the folks at marvel they were small staff you're right they were just uh they're thousand miles away in new york in new york and Uh, they they were all working 60 70 hour weeks just Mm -hmm. to get the comic books out they didn't have a lot of time to worry about what we were doing with their show
1: there was no internet there was no google there there were telephones and they shut down at five o'clock on a friday which was two Two, o'clock
2: yeah
0: like three hours ahead of you (laughs) so 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 for good or bad it
2: was kind of left in our laps and nowadays it's crazy to think about it because marvel (laughs) is this multi-billion dollar company and i'm sure they don't you know write a comma or dot a period without seven different people making sure that it fits in the mcu not and none, none of that this is us cobbling it together in our gar- i mean in our dining room, dining
1: room. But I, <laughs> I, I just want to show this and i don't know if, if you this yeah. is a shameless plug department but eric and i have a book out called x-men the art and making of the animated series that we work that marvel disney asked us to do yay but just to show you how primitive, this this is a page of the stuff that Larry Houston faxed over to Eric. This is this is the level we're talking yeah. about. That is noticed, faxing,
0: oh, black and, was, and white. <laughs> and
1: I, you know, I noticed Larry scratched through Xavier and said, oh, no, he's in a wheelchair now. You know, this a, is the level of guidance and yeah, information Eric had yeah, back then. It, oh, OK. All right.
2: But, but, you know, <laughs> the, go. But, the, but the good part was we had enough people on on staff that absolutely loved and understood what it, what the X-Men were all about so that we couldn't go too far wrong without them That's pointing true. it out to us. And we, on the other hand, on the writing staff, most of us are just focusing on how do we make the best 22-minute television show out of these characters? We were worried about adapt, adapting certain episodes with one exception, the <laughs> Days, of Past, Days of Future Past, which she, she and Bob's Skier were on. Uh, but for the first 26 episodes, it was basically what's the what's the coolest rogue story we could tell? What's the most intense beast story we could tell? And then we just start picking bits and pieces from from these reference books or from fans' memories or just made stuff up out of whole cloth. And what that did was it since we spent a lot of time taking stuff where we could find it, the fans were were satisfied. And but the people who didn't know the books, which we were warned was going to be 80 or (laughs) 85% of our audience never would have no idea what X Men were, they could enjoy the story just as a heroic story as they were gradually getting to know who and what the X Men were all about. So it was there was this nice bat, it was it was dumb luck on our part. We've we've been involved in dozens of shows, dozens over the mm -hmm. years.
1: We met at Disney TV Animation.
2: and and writers side by side there are a hundred things that can go wrong with a show and just this one was magic every every, it was the right people the right artists the right executives the right year Mm -hmm. the right
0: network the right network yeah it sounds like the perfect storm i mean because like you were saying like you said that the backup the 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 people that were backing you especially the main person that was backing you was the president of the studio itself and that's that's Pretty unheard of nowadays for this kind of thing,
1: and and I want to jump in and say she had been at Marvel and had been banging the drum for an X Men animated series for quite a few years, and she managed to scrap together enough money to produce what she'd hoped would be a pilot for an X Men series, and she was working with Will Minio and Larry Houston called on pride, this.
2: called Pride of the Pride of the X Men. It was kind of it was one off,
1: but there were so many folks above her at yeah. that point no no put this in no change that no do this we can tell you why wolverine's australian in that one if you want to (laughs) know yes
0: actually that's what i was going to go into because that was my second (laughs) question because i was like like initially the pilot of uh of uh, the anime series was pride of the x-men and uh it was aligned uh it was aligned more with the playable characters in the x-men arcade game that came out back in like 92 the six the gigantor six-player one uh uh, some characters like Dazzler, and Nightcrawler were replaced when the first season came out. You know, it was replaced with like uh, a Rogue, Gambit, and stuff like that. But uh, but I kind of wanted to know, like, why did y'all like change up the team so much? Uh, of uh, from the uh, from the pilot. Well,
2: well, okay, the pilot. Just so you was, know. they were separ- they were separate companies, separate companies.
0: Yeah, and the
2: uh, the pilot came out in I think uh,
0: eighty six or eighty seven.
2: So that's like six years. Uh, spread in and that was and the people that Margaret and Sydney and Will Minio and a lot of the artists all all sorts of people worked on that and they all thought of it as something that didn't work so when it came time to do the new show which we thought of as separate I'd never never seen it you know I I obviously watched it as soon as I got the job but I'd never seen it so I didn't have anything to do with the original one but they looked back on it and said, you know what? You know, they made Wolverine Australian because uh, Crocodile Dundee was popular that year. So there I were love. a lot of <laughs> the, the guys above Margaret A lot of Lesh. business marketing decisions made like that, that, that just were terrible. And then they, they would throw in, they threw in like 30 different characters in 22 minutes. and It wasn't time to get to know any of them.
1: But in a craven right. effort to, to sell toy products. Yeah,
2: it's like, we got to put them all there because we're going to have action figures for all of them. So... So that, the problem with Pride of the X-Men was it wasn't thought through as a real pilot for a real series. It was more a promotional tool. And the, the that's right why people, nobody that's why people didn't gravitate to it. The right oh. people
1: were there, but they weren't in charge. And yep. it wasn't until four years later at X-Men, at Fox Kids that fortunately those folks had gone through the Pride of the X-Men experience. And there were many times at the beginning of X-Men, the animated series, where each one of them at one point said, no, this is how I'm going to do it, or I'm going to walk. You can let me go. No, yeah.
2: no. Because all, all during that first year, it took it, it. takes about nine months from the time you decide, oh, we're going to do Night of the Sentinels till you get it written and storyboarded and animated and recorded and cut together and the music. Oh, my God. It, yeah. That's nine about,
0: months? Yeah, yes.
2: Because if you remember, every cell was hand-painted. Yeah, uh, that's and true. You're maybe, set maybe, maybe eight or nine hundred thousand hand painted cells for one episode.
1: No computer, no.
2: yeah. <laughs> and so, so that's how that's yeah, so that's how long it took. And during that time, when we're waiting to see what the shows because it, it takes six months before we can really even see and listen to an episode. Um, during that time, there are people that maybe wanted to throw the two cents worth in and change it around, make it, <laughs> a, make it a lot younger, make it sillier, make it. Uh, whatever it is, change the tone and focus mm-hmm. and the, the stories in it. And some of those people had, had a certain voice or had a certain leverage. And to the person, you know, the, those of us on the writing side, those of us on the, the the art side and our executives at Fox just said, no, look, we, we, we know what we're doing here. We're not changing this. And there was some serious pressure to make it a different show and, everybody, and as Julia said, there would become times where at the end of the week, they'd say, look, if you keep calling, if you keep wanting, pr- pushing this in the wrong direction, you know, we'll all just walk because we don't want to, we don't want to end up with what happened on Pride of the X-Men. We were, we weren't happy with the way the story went or where the characters went. And, and that was, it was like that almost had to fail mm-hmm. to get everybody to be able to say, not again, you know, this time. This time we're doing it our way, and if if it falls, it falls, and we all walk away. But but we're not changing it.
0: I mean, some of the decision making that y'all did in that sh- in that series, it was like I mean, for a ch- for a kid series, it was pretty serious. It was pretty hardcore. And uh and like I was going to say, one of my other questions was was like the thing. I'm actually surprised because when you said that. The structure of the first season was in two weeks. It just felt like you're, you you made the continuity make it look like it made sense. Like uh uh, you made it made sense from episode one to episode thirteen of the first season, and like it looks like it would have been like it was it was like something that you did for months or something like that or you know for that kind of for that kind of uh. Coolness.
1: Well, and Margaret Lash had been. I want to do the X-Men and her higher up saying, we will give you one season. And if this, okay, just assume it's one season Uh, because everyone had bet that it wasn't going to work. So you, when you were hired, uh, were hired to do 13 episodes, boom, and that's it. Just do 13. So when you and Mark sat down, it was what are the best 13 episodes, the strongest that we can tell to introduce X-Men to a world where 95% of the people didn't know who the X-Men were and that was that was all you got
2: yeah. and 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 if, if, funny looking back at it uh we all the creative all of us creative folks were let go in let's say july yeah when we had done our work and it was going to premiere in september but there were production problems It ended up being what twice as difficult a show to produce as people had imagined and people had budgeted yeah so they had to dig up a little more money and they had to work uh over time and get the show right but we were let go, and we started Exo Squad while we we're waiting to see <laughs> if anybody was going to watch our show. So it didn't properly premiere till January eighth of ninety three, mm-hmm. and on that day it premiered. and It was all you know, number one to start off with, and that way, uh, the the nice thing about it was we didn't get any more of those calls about changing it. Yeah, <laughs> as, soon as, as soon as it's a success. Everybody always loved it from the start, mm-hmm. and uh, they but since we have been let go and we were working on another show, uh, oh. the Mark and his brother Michael and I worked on Exo Squad for three and a half months while we were waiting for X for X Men to premiere. Some of us could come back. Mark and Michael missed about half a year of writing for X Men because yeah. they wow. finished up the Exo Squad, they stayed. Uh, Will Minio stayed over with Exo Squad, yeah. Will was the head designer of that, and yeah, but Larry Larry came back and I came back. and... And Julia came back, and so <laughs> enough of us came back that it that the second season went great.
1: Well, okay. On a personal note, the second season did go great. But as a
2: writer, <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, let me tell you what happened. I'll give you hey, a little Hollywood story, a little Hollywood, oh my God. a little Hollywood hard truth.
1: So it took four different places to come up with the money to make X Men. There was not a studio like, say, Warner Brothers for Batman or Paramount for Star Trek. So four different things small companies small companies put together to make the money Mm -hmm. to make x-men and when second season came around the person with the purse strings to cover the writers and other costs saban entertainment hi i'm saban hey we've got a second season yay and on the writing side we're like it's a hit show it's
2: number one show
1: we're gonna get a big bonus Woohoo! and instead we were each informed it's a hit show i've got a line of writers out the door who want to write for it You'll take the script for five hundred dollars less, or I get someone else.
0: What? Huh? <laughs>
2: so, so the writer got the script. These cut by five hundred dollars for delivering this guy his his first and only, his first number one show in his life, and it was that was it was a sad day. But you but know,
1: Eric, to his credit, you know, I, as a gentleman and
2: a scholar, I, right? I I I covered it because they didn't cut my fees. <laughs> but uh I covered it for the for that the next 13 but that was unbelievable that's, that's, that's a that's a cold introduction to Hollywood yep. that is
0: an incredibly cold introduction to Hollywood <laughs> what the like oh congratulations you you've done something that we that was thought that was like destined to fail and you made something brand new and it was a gigantic hit but we feel like we could pay you less to uh uh to to for to, to hit that magic again that's crazy yeah so yeah. well, there you wow. go. Oh my God well like well how how involved was uh, Stan Lee or Marvel themselves during the production of the series?
2: Uh, as I said the, the gentleman Bob Harris who was in charge of the books in New York in New York mm-hmm. he and Joe Calamari, who's a great name Joey the Squid Joey the Squid oh wow with Marvel forever he was an attorney they oh op- they I, I would send them every single thing we came up with every idea, every premise, every outline, every script, every every revision of every script. So they could weigh in on it, and they could say, you know, uh, I'm just not sure that the second part of the story's working yet, or, you know, have specific notes. So they had the opportunity. Bob was incredibly busy, so sometimes, you know, his notes were lighter than others.
1: How many X books did they get yeah. out of that time? Yeah, A I think lot he had three things. or
2: four X books to get out. Yeah, each month. But so so they, they were helpful, but the nice thing that Margaret had set up at, at Fox was that Fox it was Fox's show, so if it came to where... There was an episode that we liked that marvel didn't care for uh we just say you know we'll try to adjust it a little bit but we really like the show so we're keeping it and shucks we're sorry they didn't have <laughs> they didn't have final say i yeah, i mean marvel marvel did not. not have final say oh my so, god which, which is yeah which is totally totally hard to believe looking at right now but so basically it was our show and the, our bosses were Margaret and Sydney. Mm-hmm. And if they were, you know, if they were good with something, we we ran with it and that didn't happen that often that, that Marvel did, didn't care for something. Uh, and, and I had to, and we didn't find some middle ground that made us both happy. Usually we could. And, but, and as far as Stan went, you know, Stan, it's funny. Stan had been like the biggest name, in the history forever, and mm-hmm. right, rightfully so, but he'd been involved with writing the comics from, right, or from like yeah. World War II to, to uh, about the early seventies, the early seventies, and his name kept being on absolutely everything. I mean, obviously, his name was on every movie, mm-hmm. uh, but he wasn't creatively involved in creating the movies. He was executive producer on every one of the big movies. But it wasn't like he was in on the write, writing. team. he was on the Spider-Man show. He oh, was yeah. heavily involved creatively on Spider-Man show. But on our show, he just and he was one of the folks. He had a very he had a much younger idea. The 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 the, the X-Men that he and Jack Kirby had come up with in 1963 were a bunch of American teenagers, mm-hmm. like five guys and a girl. And the X-Men book had gone out of publication because it didn't quite. Work Go all the way yeah. in 1970 when when it came back in 75 as renewed rebirthed um it's very different group of people people like and it was an international multiracial group of people adulting it's, yeah and they, they've gotten older they got more intense they got more everything about it it was like post watergate was post vietnam it was just gotten much more serious yeah. than the early stuff in the 60s and Stan didn't really know the later books. His memory was of when they all had blue suits and they were wisecracking our teenagers. And so when we would start getting some notes from him the first season, I just kept on gent- trying to gently push back and say, you know, that's not really our show. If we try to do that, it's just going to turn it upside down. It's not working. There was a big moment where we had – uh Stan was getting frustrated that we weren't changing the show the way he wanted us to. And we just had to have a big moment with Margaret's boss with the head of the actual, all of Fox television to say, we're all committed to the older, newer, tougher, more challenging version. And we love Stan and respect him. And we'll always read everything he suggests, but one of us has to run the show. And if it's going to be Eric, that's great. If it's going to be Stan, Eric says fine I'll give up the best job I ever had but it's your you know it's your money fox you make a decision I just say we had to we had to have yeah. that meeting to clear clear that up and and once it was this big shit you know Stan went on to other stuff went on to <laughs> Spider-Man and, and and everybody was fine but until the show came out I think he sincerely believed that if we made it like the current like the like Cl- Chris Claremont comics like the 90s yeah. comics that it would be terrible and it'll be a failure and the kids wouldn't get it. So he just sincerely had a different vision for the show. Mm-hmm. And that was obviously that was that was tough for me. I didn't I didn't want to have a fight with Stan Lee. You know, who wants to do that? That would be but, a crazy
0: story to tell in the future, though, I will say. Oh, it's yeah. like, yeah, I said, I put my foot down to say no to Stan Lee's creation. <laughs> so, I mean, that'd be... <laughs> but then again, though, too, I mean, like, like, the 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 universe, like you said, is a night and day difference of what Stan Lee did right. If anything, it was probably more closer to Chris Claremont's uh, full, uh, the Chris Claremont storyline at the time that it, that it was running and Also, like, I believe... The animated series also did an upgrade of the outfit, so that was like also Jim Lee's, yeah. you know, Jim Lee's style of art too. On top of all of that, so it's Absolutely. just like, yeah, we had
1: we had the pleasure of working with Stanley, after many X-Men times after. after so so it, there's no
2: there's no hard feelings there. No, Stan no. Stan understood,
1: but it was tense there for yeah, a while because yeah. no one knew if X Men was going to work. No one. Yeah, and a
2: lot of people had a lot of money wrapped up in this, <laughs> and. And we here we are. We're we're all in our early thirties, and we're just saying, "Look, trust us. Trust us. You know, this is going to be fine." And Margaret
1: Lesh like, leading the way, and Margaret Mar- and Margaret
2: backing us every time. Yeah, and thank goodness for her because, uh, yeah, we've been involved in shows that we thought were going to be as good or close to as good as X Men, and you make a couple wrong decisions. You know, a couple co- cooks throw a few things into the mix, yeah. and it just it doesn't work.
0: That's unbelievable, yeah. like how much freedom you had uh, on, this, oh on this on the show.
2: Yeah, we, we look back, we're so grateful, you know, that just basically nobody looking at over our shoulder. We, we had to work so fast and they needed it so fast. And yeah, everybody uh, that there's an advantage to that we've worked, you know, the, the reverse of it is we were working at Disney TV animation. Loved it. Loved uh, wonderful people. We were there uh, there for three years on staff. That's where we met.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So what y'all uh, do? Y'all Did y'all do like tailspin or uh, or like uh, Chippendale and all that?
2: Where's my? Arm? She wrote fourteen Chippendale <laughs> Rusty Rangers, more than any. <laughs> oh other my
0: line. god! Oh my god! <laughs> that's like so like ah oh, like okay, so that's so old school Disney afternoon. Oh, that's oh, so yeah. great.
1: Yeah, Tailspin, but, but, Oof Troop, Darkwing Duck, and uh, and Winnie the Pooh. Yeah.
2: At Disney, they had lots of money. They had lots of time. They had a huge staff. Most of writers, talented you'll ever nice, find. Some of the nicest people. But that let them, well, why don't we rethink that and do a seventh take on that story? On the executive side. Or maybe so. an yeah. eighth take on that oh. story. Maybe we oh, no. A, a versus X-Men, which is just... <laughs> I, you, know, we, you know we we need that song written tonight you know oh, we need that script out in the morning mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah very very different uh experiences
0: and uh, oh i'm sorry what are you gonna say i, I know
2: you've got a lot
1: of questions but i just wanted since we're kind of at this point in the story um the, one of those things that could have gone horribly wrong was was the casting of the voice talent for the series and that was taking place up in toronto canada again uh, money considerations my goodness and if the show had been if, if it had been just you got a bunch. the voices came back you would sent up a bunch of sides for the uh auditioner uh, people to audition and read these sides uh to determine who these voices would be for these for the cast for x-men
2: and they came back and it sounded like x-men scooby-doo because oh, Toronto no. has a very
1: talented pool, yeah, yeah. but that but, that's but they, what they had were used been used
2: to. Yeah, I mean, they, to their—I their, mean, they're good people. They—they they did the voices for Beetlejuice. I, yeah. They are good, top of the line professional voice actors. But we tried to explain to them how adult we wanted this to sound, and it just. It just didn't register. They said, "Yeah, we understand. We'll make, we'll make it. We'll, we'll turn the knob a little bit. Don't worry. Don't worry. Our people know how to do cartoons." So we got this really cartoony X-Men back. It was like, "Oh, oh God, it's over. It's dead. It's 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 finished forever." So Larry Houston and Sydney
1: and and, Rob.
2: and, and the people from Marvel, right. Bob, Harris Bob Harris and Joe, Joe Calamari, went up and just sat for two weeks with folks in Toronto, and recast the whole thing re-auditioned dozens re-auditioned of people. dozens. and even went up there saying look don't just ask your cartoon people ask some of your shakespearean theater people
1: big theater crew you know, in toronto Yeah,
2: big theater uh, world in toronto get people with some gravitas to their voice get people some drama and uh, to their voice and so that when they redid it that's i think one reason the voices are so perfect and so wonderful it's, just, it's like they overcompensated they said oh we don't want to disappoint these folks again we're running out of time let's just get the most intense eight nine ten people we can find and they did
0: That i mean and y'all did i mean y'all did a great, insane job on that <laughs> that's the case because yeah you're totally right all the voices did fit the characters uh,
1: what was that with I'm bob harris that. when he first heard cal dodd come in to read for wolverine yeah. and uh, Sydney, I in the booth. You know, Cal's, well, who is this character? What, what, what is he? And Sydney, I think, said, He's feral. That's all Sydney said. He's and a wild man. He's, he's
2: feral. And so, so Cal growled,
1: just started growling <laughs> in the microphone, and Bob Harris's head snapped around. and, and said,
2: Everybody's jumping up and out. Yeah, yeah, that's a guy. Yeah, that's Wolverine.
0: That's our Wolverine. <laughs> growl-, growl again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not the Australian guy from the oh. 80s. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, and, uh, like, uh, like how far ahead? I mean, besides the two week marathon that you did in the first season, we already know that. But like, how far ahead were you planning while making the series? Well, the uh, first, after on, like yeah, the, the
2: the way it would work for us, it was kind of like the season by season, as year by year, mm-hmm. we got the thirteen episodes. Yeah, we get the order to do the first thirteen, and that took from February to mid February to mid July mm-hmm. to finish you the know, writing. Thinking up the, the stories, assigning it to writers, going stretching the premises, stretching it ten-page outlines, stretching it to forty-page scripts. Getting every you know, Marvel had, would, have no, excuse, would have notes, and Fox would have notes, and the artists you know like Larry would have notes, and so we'd make a couple revisions, and then boom, they get up and, and and be recorded. But it took that however, however many months that is, five months, to go from we're doing the show to we're done with the, the, those 13 scripts are locked. They're off into production. They've been storyboarded. We're done. Mm -hmm. And so that, so we had it planned out that far. And as I say, at that point they they laid us off because (laughs) they didn't, you know, they didn't want to be paying our salaries while they waited uh, till January for the show to premiere. Then as soon as the show premiered and it's a hit, they said, okay, well we're going to hire everybody for a second season. Well, then again, you're you're back going fast because it's now mid-January, and you're still having to try to hit for the fall. So the second season was oh a little goodness. easier, a little more mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we knew our show, and we knew successful, so there's a certain lot of energy in that. But then, So we were done with that. And again, if that had been it, 26 episodes, that would have been cool. We would have gone on to do another show. But at a certain point along in the, 20, in, in the writing of the, the second season, before we were laid off, before we were – we had a pause or hiatus there it was just doing so well it was just making everybody so much money <laughs> that they all got their heads together and said we're going to commit to three more seasons boom 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 boom, boom you know oh 39 more wow. and so at that point it uh it was i think it's august that year we all got up but all of us out here in california got a and plane and went to eric and mark edens and uh, and, and sydney iwater and larry and we went to to um to New York City. New York, to, to see Marvel and we mm-hmm. hung out for a couple of days and said okay we have two wonderful seasons here and everybody's happy and we've laid out this world now Marvel have all your people you know tell us who, who haven't we used yet that you would love and for us to use what stories haven't we done That and so at that meeting they said okay the, the Phoenix and the Dark Phoenix so boom, that's, that's nine done right there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I My job is to figure out those, those 39 episodes. And I was just handed nine on a platter. Okay. There, there's, there's nine of them. I don't have to nine worry about that. Yes. Nine oh, no, kidding. Beyond that, they said, okay, we'd like to see, you know, this kid, car- you know, Mojo or. Yeah. Weird or world. Strike or Nightcrawler or, uh, you know, we want to see more with uh, Juggernaut or whatever. They, they had a list of suggestions. And some of them worked out and some of them didn't, but, Mm -hmm. uh, that was a kind of a, a recharging like, okay, we've done the 26 and now boom now, and and they give us more time. Uh They were making enough money that we weren't, we were doing a script a week and now we had like 10 days. So we had like a week and a half per script. Uh So we had, we had more time to think it through and hire the, you know, the people we wanted to hire and.
0: So it that's wasn't like as, re- it was as much of a rush job in the, fr- I mean, usually what? the first season is usually is the nightmare season because yeah. that's the one where it's like a make or break, but yeah. yeah. But I mean, I just find it very interesting, like, I mean x-men the anime series lasted for five seasons and even throughout that whole time it just felt that you were telling a continuous story even though there were different there were different uh like plot lines like i mean they went to space they went to weird world they did all these different kinds of things they like the the time when you go at the very beginning of the episode where you hear previously on x-men then it's like you don't it just rewinds it's like stuff from even all the way back from the first or second season and it'll be like oh this makes sense so this person doing this because of what happened like years like the the first time and stuff it's like all of it connected really well so i was like this is amazing that y'all were just able to do all of that you know
1: i want to give a shout out to a woman named sharon janice who was the editor for the series and there was tremendous pushback will minio said comic books tell a story sequentially i the the x-men needs to have that kind of
2: feel of telling Mm -hmm. stories sequentially and there's a lot of pushback because they don't want to do that in case someone comes, episode three comes back bad, they which is to, what happened. Have to wait on mm-hmm. episode four. But,
1: but so the idea of telling sequentially, there were again pushback. Kids aren't going to remember. La, da, 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 da. Well, Sharon Janice said, if I can craft a, a little recap for the start of some of the episodes
2: a previously. A
1: previously on, you know, and <laughs> I'll do that, um, that will save you anywhere from 20. To 45 seconds of animation that you don't have to pay for new, no, because I'm using clips from old shows. And the money. So they, goes, went, for oh, the they went for that in a They went for that in heartbeat. <laughs> she's saving us 20 to 45 <laughs> seconds? Yeah. So oh, it's that's that kind of scrambling. So
2: but... it was her it was her doing mm-hmm. and she was really good at it. Really she, good. she had done it for yeah, years. Yeah, she was incredible. In 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 uh, primetime stuff before. And she was a really tight editor. She and uh, the producer uh Scott Thomas both had serious... Editing experience. And mm-hmm. so if you look back, a lot of the shows, certainly the shows in the 70s and 80s were very slow, but even some of our contemporaries were kind of leisurely paced. And our guys, boom, 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 those, those guys had a, from all the way down from the artists to the writers to the editors, we all wanted this thing to really rock. Mm-hmm. And so now looking back, it doesn't feel dated and slow. It feels like the right pace because more modern stuff now moves faster. Uh, so,
1: uh, w- one of the things, if you start from the beginning, as one should, as we're getting ready for the n- next stuff with X Men coming out with Disney Plus in the fall, hopefully, fingers crossed. <laughs> um, if you start at the beginning, the first season, uh, sequential uh, big episodes of art, a big story arc. Second season, you got the Savage Land. But the Savage Land, you guys figured out, you and Mark, how to do it cleverly, where you had two minute Savage Land chunks on each of the episodes.
2: So that continued that continued in order. And the and the stories in between uh, that went with those that minute and a half or whatever in the Savage Land, those are kind of interchangeable. If you look at them, they seem like that's it's progressing, but but they actually we were warned, okay, um, we don't know if we can do them in, in a row anymore. We said, well can you just give us like that minute and a half, you know, for and the so, Savage Land. So and, all
1: the Savage Land stuff was written written and, and produced first. Produced First, before the rest of the episode, started. so it would
2: be ready no matter what. It would be ready and ready to pull you along through that second season. So you did like and, one
0: episode of the Savage Land itself, and then but you just cut the you cut the episode into small bits and then just it prolonged it. Small yeah, bits.
2: yeah, it was, it was, it was plan, always planned, it was planned to, to, to too small bits. But yeah, we did Russ write on. I think I think my brother-in-law wrote on it. Uh, we sat down and and said, okay, here's a two-parter to open the season. There's going to be a two-parter at the end, and we mm. need nine, nine little bits in between. And so we sat down and wrote the nine little bit, you know, wrote one script that had the nine little bits in it, mm-hmm. and it progressed from A to B to C to D to E to F. And that was uh, that was fun and it 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 connected that second season right. for
0: everybody. Wow, that's cool. And I mean, and, uh, some of the episodes uh, were pretty hardcore, like I said, for kids uh, itself, especially like uh, especially for a kids cartoon itself. So like for example, in the first episode, the very series premiere of <laughs> of X Men itself, it's like you killed off from the team uh, like that we just gotten introduced to maybe ten or fifteen minutes prior to the episode, uh, the shapeshifter morph, like. Yes i just like i was like what is going on like when i was a child i was like oh okay cool because uh because i didn't know x-men either when i was a kid and then i just saw the dude with the claws was f- good friends with this man that morphed into different things and then you just decided to do that i was just like how much freedom did you have like that was like to to because you will never see something like i don't think you'll ever see like okay it's time to let's just kill off one of the main characters on the main team that you're that you're uh that you're pushing <laughs> you know like well, how much freedom did y'all have
1: here we are 30 years later talking about that very point and i remember when you brought that up the idea of you didn't want it to be like every week it's a reset everyone you know the fights don't matter you wanted the mm-hmm. consequence you wanted the heroic struggle or heroic sacrifice and you and mark suggested we need to kill an x-men in the opening sequences. So people know the stakes are real, that bad things can happen and consequences matter. And I'm going, good luck with that, getting that passed. (laughs) Uh, But uh, another shout out to uh, every network has a broadcast standards and practices person or your censor. Avery Coburn was the person at Fox Kids who was in charge of those decisions. And her word was law. If she didn't want it, it wasn't going to happen. But you had a real meaningful dialogue back and forth with her. She liked the books. She understood what you were doing, and so she. So so she she trusted us.
2: She she said, "Look, I'm going to look at it. I'm going to see what you write in the script. This can't be gratuitous. I it can't be on screen. We can't have this guy dying on screen." And I said, "No, no, no. It's about it's about the the heroic sacrifice. It's about the grief." Of all the survivors, where they come together for him at, afterwards, mm-hmm. that's what we're, why we why we're having it in, in there. And she said, "Okay, I'll." Uh, and that took about two weeks of back and forth notes with her to say, "Okay." She said, "Fine, let the let the writer go with this, and I'll see what it looks like." And then she saw it. She said, "You know, I I I, I trust what you've done. I'll see the storyboard to make sure that you know the artists don't uh, you know th- that follow this so that they don't do something that I'm not comfortable with." But, and I'll, I'll, I'll be careful all the way through production on this one, but you know, you've got your, you've got your death. And that was, that was a big deal. And again, every other sensor we've ever worked with would have said no No. on others. And we just happened to have this understanding woman who liked and respected the books and said, okay, give it a shot.
1: Who understood what was trying to get done. Yeah. Okay. One more behind the scenes, uh, pull back the (laughs) curtain here. So first season, we're all off doing other things. You're doing XS Squad. You get a phone call saying, hey, we're going to do second season of X-Men. Yay. Okay, great. We'll pick up where we left off. Yay, we'll roll forward. And then Sydney, I want her to send you. Um, but uh, Eric, you know about Morph. Okay, what, what, what about Morph? <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had a focus group with a bunch of seven-year-olds, and we asked them who's their favorite character. And they all said, Morph. <laughs> <laughs> because in the pilot, he's friends with everyone. He makes everyone laugh, you know. And all the episodes hadn't aired yet. So, the, you know, I mean,
2: what? They'd seen maybe six episodes. And he's in the first two.
1: Yeah, and he's funny. And, and he's
2: funny. And, and so, so Cindy, he says, oh, I know how hard you worked to be able to kill this character. I know how much it meant to you. And I, it was real. It was real. It was real. But is there any way you could find to bring him back? <laughs> He died off screen, so maybe this could be like in a soap opera or in a comic book where they didn't really die. Okay, okay. So we we were heartbroken for yeah. about a day, and then we said, well, maybe we could do some cool stories with it.
1: And you did, and it ended
2: up, it ended man, y'all
0: made it into like y'all made uh, like a like a situation where y'all didn't want to do it to make it amazing because when y'all made when y'all brought when y'all brought back Morpheus as broken Morph and then it was like a whole different storyline uh, about how Mister Sinister messed with his mind and things like that. Yeah, like it was just like uh, that was another aspect, like you were saying, consequences. Uh, towards uh like was showing high like high stake how level of the high stakes that these x-men were going through you y'all definitely did it and and it made y'all it even made it made it the the show grow even more and I was just like uh I loved it that's, it nice. Just, uh, that's it
1: was... a nice way to put it I appreciate hearing that because it it was a... <laughs> those were a few dark moments where it's like oh my god it, you know it's gonna be... but but again you know it thirty years later
0: and I loved yeah. Yeah, I mean, no, I love like, uh, like especially um, when y'all did, uh, uh, like, like for instance, Days of Future Past, you're, uh, the first part that you written, that you wrote, uh, like one of my favorite characters that in the series was Bishop, and what I loved every time, uh, even though it it it's not comic book, uh, you know, the same one to one. I mean, it's still yeah, it's like comic comic book can thank you, uh, it's not like it was still uh, it was still strong enough to stand alone in its own kind of in its own kind of level, you know, yeah. and uh. The thing that reminded me of Bishop all the time was the harmonica play every time that he comes on screen. <laughs> and I was like, and then with him with the giant like Jerry Cur- uh, like, like Fair. bullet. Fair. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Magnificent. Magnificent.
0: It's yeah. like a lion <laughs> made. It was I just loved it. <laughs>
1: and and I having written that, I I loved Wolverine, who is of a certain age at that point in the future when this is all is happening, and just dismissively uh taken on Bishop and just calling him rookie, you know, and Bishop being this whole grown ass man who is not a rookie in any (laughs) way, shape or form, but, but to Wolverine, who's by then 200 years old, I guess he would have been, but so I, I very much enjoyed their interplay and, and the fact that we've talked about this, if the internet existed then, like it does now, I'm not sure how comfortable any of us would have been able to do certain so, things to make
2: big changes like that.
1: Cause if fans had found out and gone online and said, where's Kitty bride, how dare you what's going on?
0: Uh. <laughs> well, to be fair though, to play the devil's advocate in that, because I was thinking the same thing though, too, because uh, uh, I mean, there's certain things that, that comic books just cannot work on TV. Yeah. And and like with the kid with Kitty Pride in that whole situation was weird. I mean like how would you be able to like, you know, show that, especially to explain that to young kids the way uh, the way that they're expecting. I mean, even yeah. yeah, even in um uh the movie didn't do that. They used yeah. they used yeah. Wolverine, you know? Yeah, I mean yeah.
2: In, in my mind that's when when I read Days of Future Past it was the first note I gave Julia and, and Bob. Uh, the writer said look and marty eisenberg and marty eisenberg the say guys i know her spirit goes back in in this but i just don't think our audience that that it's going to be hard to get across in a more real tv's more realistic you're right there's something about comic books that you can go with stuff like that i think it's gonna be hard to get across i think we need a real person going back and since kitty pride isn't in our group anyway we're starting without her I think we have a certain leeway as far as how this information gets back. And that's when we all sat down with Larry and we all decided on Bishop and, and it worked out great. I mean, uh, uh, I I think, I think people really enjoy the show and it was a great introduction to Bishop for us. And we ended up using him on eight or 10 episodes.
0: Oh yeah, uh, definitely.
2: So, so, it was just a win-win-win for us, but she's right. I we felt confident making changes like that because we had everybody's support. But in twenty twenty three, it might have been more difficult. It might have been <laughs> a lot you know, more red tape. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a lot more.
0: And uh, was there a story that you wanted to tell that you either did not was denied or just could not get the opportunity to tell it.
3: <sighs>
2: not much uh, it's,
1: I, i'm sorry i'm interrupt but the team of x-men was already you got eight players plus charles xavier just servicing each of them anyway was a challenge yes. so making sure everyone got the story time yeah. they deserve there were
2: writers that loved certain uh issues of the book that w- wanted to try to get them in and and we we'd take pitches on the premises and, and sometimes it would work out or we'd use part of it and sometimes we wouldn't. So there were individual writers that had stuff that they really wanted to do. Um, there was one episode uh you know if if you have a big bigger budget and a bigger and a bigger staff, people are used to cranking out scripts and getting to a point and throwing out three or four that they just finally decide, well it was close but it didn't quite work. We had one of those and what it was just it was a omega red episode that I believed in, but from the very, to everybody else's credit, from the beginning, they were giving me warning signs saying, Eric, this doesn't look good, this doesn't look good. Uh, and finally, but I pushed it through and I pushed it through and the writer and I, you know, hand in the script and everybody says, "Not nope, done. So you gotta throw this one out. And so what, in our low budget world, what that <laughs> meant was my boss, Sydney saying, okay, Eric, you blew this one, it's Friday, we need a fresh script by Monday. You're going to come up with a whole new Omega red story over the weekend and you're going to write 40 pages and it's going to, it's going to be have to be good because we don't have the money to pay a writer to come in and spend three weeks redoing this. And we need so, so that I nailed myself by push by, Hanging out to a story that that I thought was good, and the writer thought was good, and in retrospect, I've read it recently. It wasn't very good. <laughs> yeah, we all we all have our we all have our down days, and uh, and everybody else was right this time, and it just cost me a lost
0: weekend. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I mean, and, uh, and also uh, there's something that also y'all could probably tell me, uh, uh, can confirm. Cause I wanted to, I was like, wow, really, this is interesting. I heard this from somewhere and I want like, uh, is it true that one of the story arcs in- inspired, uh, co- uh, comic writer, Bob Harris, who did age of apocalypse, uh, while making, uh, like, mentioned. yeah, <laughs>
2: absolutely. Absolutely. And it was, it was, my, was my, Possibly my favorite episode, and certainly the one I thought was the most inspired uh, uh, one to come up with, called "One Man's Worth." Two parts. Oh yeah, I remember. Uh, that. And it was, and the whole point of it was, it's a time travel show. What would happen if somebody went back in time and killed Xavier when he was in college, and there would be no X Men? And that what that does is it makes the audience think, oh, this, this is the X Men's impact on the world. And I'm showing you uh, a future world where someone's gone back and made them never happen. And how bad would that be for the world? And so of course I'm stealing from two of my favorite stories. One mm-hmm. of them is, uh, uh, they, uh,
1: one man, us. <laughs> one, 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 it's a wonderful one life. of
2: them is it's a wonderful life with Jimmy Stewart. And, 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 and the, 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 the angel shows him what the world would have been like if he'd never lived. Mm-hmm. And the other one, was City on the Edge of Forever, which is a Star Trek episode from the end of the first season. Yeah. Where there this, this time travel portal shows Kirk what would happen if he saves the life of a woman he's fallen in love with. If he saves a lot, her life, she's a pacifist. The U.S. doesn't go into World War II. Hitler takes over the planet. Everything oh goes goodness. all over <laughs> hell. It was a very cool idea. Uh, Harlan Ellison, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, brilliant idea. Uh, so that one... Uh, to me was, you know, just I thought it was a wonderful idea. For some reason, it took us forever. Got, <laughs> time travel stories are hard; they, yeah. they, the logic gets twisted, and people have different ideas about it. it took us a lot. so we pitched that story, and right we, and we sent it to Bob, like we sent all of them. Right. Mm-hmm. Is, and yeah. so he had it, and we were developing it, and we had, I'd say, the first two outlines, maybe, maybe even the first two scripts. Uh, first drafts of the script set and he was out visiting, evidently. I, I, I didn't know the timeline on this, but it's in a, it's in one of the Apocalypse uh, comic books right. where he, they mentioned this, where he came out and spent a few days with us and looked over all the stuff we were doing. And he said, that would be cool for something in the books. And so he took that back to New York with him. And while we were finishing polishing up the script and while we were storyboarding and animating and getting it all done. He got a bunch of people together and said, we're going to do.
1: This is, so some of the work that they started doing for the Age of Apocalypse series of books, uh, because the story writing, the script writing took so long, Larry Houston was able to utilize some of that right, art right. into the scripts.
2: So since it took us. Oh, wow. So it took us six months to get to the storyboard and design part on that. Within that six months, they committed over at at Marvel to try to make this. They didn't know what to call it, I guess, at the time, but Age of Apocalypse series of books, and so they started drawing stuff. And so Larry called them and said, well, "What are you drawing?" And so he said, "Well, wouldn't it be cool if I used a few of those, you know, in you know in the actual design for the show that you're basing it on?" Very cool. So back and forth, back and forth. So the show the the one man's worth one man's worth comes out, and around the same time, maybe a month later, or so the first step, the, the first uh issue of Age of Apocalypse comes out. And so it didn't occur to people that usually we take from the books, mm-hmm. it didn't occur to the people at the time that they saw our story and they ran with it, and <laughs> yeah, that was which made us feel great because. Because we'd taken so much from them, like from Chris Claremont stories and oh other things. God. took it, taken so much to make our show. The fact that they found something special that we'd originated.
1: You'd originated. That,
2: yeah, it, wake, wake up, what, like going to bed one night and say, what man's, or I know what we did. to do. So that come out of my head and now is was the basis for something that they did so spectacularly. I mean, obviously that was like three years work of, a hundred talented people and did oh the spark of an idea which i stole from somebody else already and they made it something new and special <laughs> so that was i i felt gratitude that there as the fans were a little confused for a while which one came first right but we can we, we we can uh we can tell you it was it was uh one man's worth and uh, and uh, boy, you know what a what a great thing to be part of because I think it was I think that's the best thing that the X Men have done since our show. You know, since that since the mid nineties now to the mid twenties in the last thirty years, I think Age of Apocalypse is probably the best thing that they've done.
0: I mean, for the side for an off series like that, yeah, most yeah. definitely. I, I would definitely agree because it's just like like because uh, when some uh, I mean y'all got me into liking the X Men to be honest with you from when I was growing up. <laughs> and uh and then when they when they were saying oh this is like wolverine with one arm and cyclops with one eye and stuff like that i was like oh this is going to be a cool experience and stuff and then later on i was told oh yeah they got that from the from the uh from the anime series i'm like no they didn't there's no way <laughs> but no but now since i heard it directly that that makes more that makes sense that's so that's so awesome uh and uh my final question is uh that that uh one could argue that x-men animated series was the beginning of marvel getting more in serious in animation in the 90s uh uh like uh soon after like i mean there were shows like fantastic four spider-man uh silver surfer uh and more um like looking back at it and it's amazing five-year run um how much of a special place does x-men the animated series hold for you two (laughs) (laughs)
3: well
1: i'll tell you this and we are we are we are so thrilled but we're thrilled um at at 30 years later we we weren't real sure we knew the show was a big hit when it came out and it afforded us multiple employment opportunities over the years but we and and when the movies came out it's like oh they used our team those were our babies that they put up there but we had not been attending cons or fests, and the internet was, was not what it was until a few years ago in terms of you know, fans reaching out. We did not know. We did not know. How
2: many, wow. hundreds, how many hundreds of millions of people watched the show. And we, we start know. going to cons six years ago when we wrote our first book on, this, on the series called Previously on X-Men.
1: An oral history of yeah. the making of the show. And,
2: and we went online and started talk and talking to people and realized that X-Men had shown everywhere. It, it, there were not just Americans and Canadians that grew up uh, being it being a, a favorite show of theirs, but just Latin America, uh, Arab countries, all of Europe, all of Asia. We, we would, didn't know. We would we bump into people. <sighs> we bumped into people in Singapore. We're in
1: Singapore, and I'm wearing this jacket. And oh, I million.
2: love that. Malaysian TSA workers run up to us and say, X Men, X Men was my favorite growing
1: up. They don't know who we are. They yeah. just thought, This is oh my god, I loved X Men. I said, You watched X Men? Yeah. Yeah.
2: And, and we've gotten the impression from people all over that it just I, everybody has a, a favorite song, everybody has a, a favorite TV show that just struck them right. It's an and iconic
0: have- theme song. I mean, like at this point, it's a very iconic theme song. So, I mean, yeah. 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 And, and,
2: <laughs> And we have those things as fans. I mean, mm-hmm. the, we had those moments as fans where something just stayed with us our whole life, and and just grabbed this and forever, and will always be a favorite. The fact that we were able to be part of something that did that for hundreds of millions of people is just—it's
1: crazy. It's crazy. Oh,
2: it, it's it blows your head, mind. It,
1: it, just, does. it does. It does. We couldn't be more grateful. Could but when some
0: I mean like nowadays if someone says like oh uh, X-Men and then like I mean y'all have a genre and then y'all self, I mean like <laughs> with it itself, I mean they they always call it 92 ninety two X-Men. I mean yeah. everything that goes back into like I mean the X-Men of the Now go can can be traced back to your series. I mean essentially uh like you're you're essentially the grandfather of all of this that's that, that, that's happening that, yeah. that's that's currently yeah. happening. So yeah. I mean that that's unbelievable. I, I I'd have to say. It it. I mean,
1: it is. Thank you for that. It it is though. It's unbelievable, <laughs> to, us. It's still unbelievable to us. you know. And and
2: we just and we just got the most wonderful thing. The new show coming out, X Men '97, which could come out this fall on Disney Plus. The fact that it's uh, it a, it's a, it's a bunch of fans of our show that have put this together, and. They are making it a continuation of our show, not some new spinoff or not d- different characters or not a different world. It is as if it takes, it starts back up a few weeks after ours ended.
0: Wow.
1: So if you want to get ready for X-Men 97, go back and do a obviously, rewatch of X-Men, the animated series and you'll be ready. <laughs>
2: obviously these people all have, you know, they have the perspective of people Thirty, uh, you know, a, a generation and a half younger, they've been through different things. They'll have their own take on some of the stories, but they all came to this out of a love for what our show was. Yeah,
1: that's huge. and that's
2: just huge. It it's so we we're really looking we're really looking forward to coming out. We we have a small they have us on as consultants.
1: They invited us back as consulting producers for the show with Larry Houston, which they never do that in Hollywood. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And Larry Houston too. So he was, yeah. he was in charge of the yeah. art and everything. Oh man! Uh-huh.
2: In, in fact, oh. in fact, they announced last uh, at San Diego at San Diego that they were there. They've hired Larry to design their opening credits.
0: Are you serious? Oh wow, yeah. that's crazy. That is so. That is so awesome. Such a great honor to, uh, to do. I I just all I pray on is I just hope the continuity holds to kind of like how the original one was because. Like I mean, it's Disney, so I'm kind of wondering if if it's going to be watered down comparatively to uh to how it's going to be. But I am looking forward to seeing the X Men '97. There we right. go. Okay. There you go. <laughs> As our As our <laughs> I mean, that's my own personal take, but there we go. But uh. Uh, Eric, Julia, I could know I could talk X Men all day with you, <laughs> uh, I, I gotta I gotta hold self control <laughs> control with this. But but uh, this is the part. Like, if any folks or fans of the series are able to reach out, what is the best place that they could they could find out and support y'all?
1: I'm on Twitter way too often, uh, and we have a Facebook page. We have an Instagram page. We are I am on Twitter, and we are always at X Men TAS, which is for X Men the animated series. But X Men TAS, and we have a website. We need to get that updated. Yeah, <laughs> please, yeah please reach out to us, follow us, find us. You know, and uh, and we we are hoping with COVID kind of behind behind us, we are excited yeah. to get out there and start going to more cons. So, more if con- you have cons in your neighborhood, let them know if you'd like to see us. We'd love to come talk.
0: Yeah, we'll do. We'll do. Well, thank you, Eric, Julia, for your time. And uh, uh, I hope everything. Uh, thank you so much for re- making a terrific show. <laughs> so I just want to, want to say that out uh, up front. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank, thank you. you so much. And guys, thank you once again, uh, if you definitely love interviews like this, speaking to some awesome people, uh, definitely go check us out on our website, conference or go to our uh, any uh, podcast services out there on pop culture gems. So once again, this is Davis signing out, y'all take it easy.